Turn with me to, to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 40. Glory to God. I'm titling today's message, How, How to Have God's Best. How to Have God's Best. And as I've been pondering on this, I thought we could have called this How to Live in the Overflow of God's Goodness and Abundance. Praise the Lord. Isaiah chapter 40. And let's read in verse, from verse 1. It says, Comfort ye, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem, to the people of God. Cry out to her, cry out to the church, that her war fear is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, and she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The Amplified says, speak tenderly, and I like to say to the bride, speak tenderly to the church, the body of Christ. They that have trusted in him and trusted in his salvation and have believed on him, and cry out to her and let her know that her service and her warfare and her struggle or any, any dependence on self-righteousness and her own goodness, all of that is no, more, is no longer necessary. Because the punishment has been accepted for her iniquity. Her iniquity has been pardoned because Jesus has paid the price. Jesus has received double, double punishment for all of the sins. Our sins and iniquities have been paid in full. Let her know that. Let her know it is finished. Let her know the price has been paid. And then verse 3 says, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And don't just think about John the Baptist pre preaching in the wilderness, but sometimes we could be in a wilderness in a place within our lives. And the word of God comes and it says, in the midst of the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. The mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Well, it says in Isaiah 55 and verse 11, that no word of God, it says the, the word of God that proceeds out of his mouth, the word of God will prosper in the thing whereunto it is sent. It will accomplish what he pleases. In another place it says, no word of God shall be void of power. So if God said it, it is done. If God said it, it is settled in heaven. So if God said this, then it would mean that given the price has been fully paid by, the Lord, by our Lord Jesus Christ, and God has said it, then this is how it is. In the midst of the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, and in the midst of the wilderness, Understand this. 
Understand this, that every valley and every, every valley is exalted. In the spirit, it is exalted. The word of the Lord has spoken it. Every mountain and hill is made low. Every crooked place is made straight. And every rough place is made smooth. So the glory of the Lord, the excellency of our God, the great goodness of our God is revealed. That is the end point. It is for the glory of the Lord to be risen upon us. It is for the glory of the Lord to be seen. Isaiah 35 verse 2 says that the glory of the Lord is the excellency of our God. In Exodus 33 verse 18 and 19, when Moses says, God, show me your glory. God says, I'm going to let all my goodness pass before you. The glory of the Lord is the excellency of our God. It is the manifested great goodness of God. Now, Jesus, when he came, he didn't just come to get us born again. Hebrews 2 verse 10 says he came to bring many sons to glory, to bring many sons into this excellence, into this manifested goodness of God. 2 Peter 1 verse 3 says that the Lord has given us, it says that um, grace and peace, first of all it says grace and peace is multiplied through the knowledge of him. And then it goes on to say he has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Who has called us? Who has called you to what? To glory. To glory and virtue. So this glory of God is the will of God. It is the desire of God. It is the heartbeat of God. It is what God desires for his children. It's why Jesus went to the cross. That we might function and this glory will become our manifested inheritance. Amen? And that is why Jesus paid the price. But now it also says in Colossians 1 verse 27 that it's Christ in you that is the hope of glory. It is Christ in you that can give you this confident expectation of the glory of the Lord being revealed and manifested. So it would mean then that you and I must function, we must function in Christ. We must function effectively in Christ and have Christ flow out of us. Because it is Christ flowing out of us that is the glory of God. It is Christ flowing out of us that causes the mountains to be made low. It is Christ flowing out of us that destroy the works of darkness. That is why the word of God says that it is, it, it is the will of God, first of all, in Ephesians 3, verse 9 through to 12. It says the will of God is this. This was God's plan. That men, that people will come to the revelation and the understanding of the mystery, and their fellowship in the mystery, their part in the mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That we would get that, that man would understand what is their part in that to the intent that unto the principalities and powers, devil and demons would be made manifest, the manifold wisdom of God, which is what? It's Christ that is now in us, flowing out of us to the intent that what? The very purposes of the enemy will be destroyed. The very works of darkness will be destroyed. That happens when the life of Christ flows out of us. Are you with me? Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, this... You see, here is why this is so magnificent. 
It says in Isaiah 45, 23, that the word of my mouth, the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness. That unto me, every knee shall bow. Every knee shall bow. God says, this is how it is. That is talking about the very nature of God. That righteousness is the nature of Christ. It is Christ that upholds all things by, the, by his word. It is Christ, it is by him that all things consist. So our everything has to bow to him. Everything has to bow to that Christ that is in you and that nature of God that flows through you. So this nature must flow, and when this nature flows, everything bows. Everything bows. Glory to God. Amen? Hallelujah. And then shall be brought to pass the reality of the fact that we are seated far above principalities and powers, and the enemy shall be bruised underneath your feet shortly. And it's all about that nature. It is all about the glory. It is all about Christ in us. But now, faith is very necessary. That is why it is so important, even as we look at Isaiah 40, that we got to see verse 1 and 2 and recognize, wait a minute, we are pardoned. The iniquity is purged. The price has been paid. It's been fully paid. It is why? Because you see, faith is having confidence in what is already done. Faith is having confidence in what Jesus has finished. Now, and I, I back to the glory, it says in um, Psalms 85, sorry, and verse 11, it says, the Lord God is a son and shield. The Lord will give grace, say grace, and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Now, if walking uprightly meant um, no good thing he will withhold when you begin to, when you are, when you with your, when you and I with our self-righteous self, when we can dot all the I's, cross all the T's, when we can fulfill every law, meet every commandment, um, uh, um, be, be careful to observe diligently all that, the, to hearken to the voice. If that is the case, then it would mean that Psalms 85 verse 11 would be a verse that says, God will, do, he will give grace and glory based on your self-righteousness. But that's not what it's talking about. It says to them that walk uprightly. What do you mean walk uprightly? Walk in their righteousness. What do you mean walk uprightly? Peter got into trouble in, in um, Galatians chapter 2 when he was operating a little bit hypocritically. And Paul says, the problem with you, Peter, is that you are not walking upright in the gospel. To walk upright in the gospel... You've got to reckon that you crucified. It's no longer you that live, but it's Christ that living in you. To walk upright in the gospel is to walk in the reality and the revelation of this oneness that you have with God in Christ. He was made sin. You are made the righteousness of God in Christ. Are you with me? And that takes faith. So the Lord God is a son and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold for them that will walk upright in the gospel, for them that will walk and I say that takes faith. Say faith. Hallelujah. It says, in, and again, don't forget, it's not self-righteousness. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, we are saved by what? Grace. True faith. It is a gift, not of works, lest any man should boast. And that faith 
Let's, let, let, begin, let, let's begin to have a peek at his faith because this is what is going to, just like in Isaiah 40, you got to make that faith connection that it is done, it is finished. Well, we have to make the faith connection that the Lord will give grace and glory, but faith is necessary. So we got to get a grasp of this faith. Now, remember the woman with the issue of blood. The woman with the issue of blood who was, I mean, she had an issue of blood. She was considered unclean and everything else. But she had gotten, somehow she got this revelation in her heart that if I could somehow get to this man, Jesus, and I could just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. No matter what the law say, no matter what the legalism is. Why is that? Somehow she saw Jesus in his grace. She saw the grace of God, the unmerited, unearned favor of God. If to put it in, 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 uh, in New Covenant perspective, she saw the riches of God at Christ's expense. And because she was able to see God and see Jesus in his grace, and she touched him. She got healed. Jesus says, who touched me? And she told the story. And Jesus says, woman, your faith has made you whole. What happened there? When she saw God in his grace, he was able to see her in her faith. Are you with me? With the Syrophoenician woman whose daughter was, 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 was vexed with the devil and everything else. Jesus says, I'm only sent but to, to the lost sheep of Israel. I'm not sent to you to the Gentiles at this point. Right? And you can't take the bread of the, you, you can't take um, the children's bread and give it to dogs. I mean, she could have been very offended by that. But what did she say? She says, even the, even the dogs, the little puppies, they eat the crumbs that will fall from the master's table. That, that crumb is good enough to, for my daughter to be delivered and set free. And Jesus says, wow, woman, I have not seen faith like that anywhere else. How great is your faith? What happened? She saw that even if I'm a Gentile, and even if I don't have a covenant with him at this point, nevertheless, I believe he is gracious. Call me dog, call me whatever you, you want to call me. But at the end of the day, I believe you are God of grace. You are good. And there is no good thing you withhold from them that will have faith and will walk upright. So she, so that's what she, and so what happened? She saw Jesus in his grace. Jesus saw her faith. So faith, an aspect of faith is to see God in his grace. Romans 4 verse 16 says, It is a faith that it might be by grace so that a promise might be available or guaranteed to all the seed. Are you the seed? Yes. The Bible says if you be Christ's seed, you're Abraham's seed and you're heir according to the promise. So that grace is seeing God in his grace. Sorry, that faith is seeing God in his grace. Now, I want to make a little, a slight little shift here. I want us to grab this faith stuff and run with it. Say run with it. All right, now, faith. First John 5, 4 says, Whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So faith is the victory. Faith equals victory. Is that okay? But then it also says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57, thanks be to God who gave us the victory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Meaning, thanks be to God who gave us the victory by virtue of what Jesus has done. What has Jesus done? It's called a sacrifice. So thanks be to God which gave us the victory 
through the sacrifice. So we have, let's, let's have a little bit of a mathematical formula here. We have victory through the sacrifice, and we have faith equal victory. Put that together, and it will tell you that faith is confidence in the sacrifice. Faith is confidence in what Jesus has finished. Back to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1. It's done. It's finished. You pardon. You know the righteousness of God. Amen? So faith is confidence in what Jesus has done. Blessed be the name of the Lord in what Jesus has done. Now, but it also says, now stay with me now. I'm going to make a little shift. Right? It says, it says faith cometh by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. Isn't that right? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Could we say that faith, this confidence in the sacrifice, comes by hearing the word of the sacrifice? Faith comes when you can grasp the sacrifice. It comes by the word of the sacrifice. That is why faith will work and it will be effective when you acknowledge what's already done. Faith comes by the word of the sacrifice. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 says, the, 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 the preaching of the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The preaching, the declaration, the speaking, the proclaiming, and that causes hearing of what? The gospel, the sacrifice. That's the power of God unto salvation. So what do we see here? We see faith is confidence in the sacrifice. We see faith is seeing God in his grace. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So no faith, you don't have the flow of the grace. So faith is, is exceedingly important. But you see what it is? What it is In the realm of the spirit, it's already done. So it's already done. Your healing is done, your prosperity is done, your deliverance is done. Everything has been reconciled to God's original intent in the realm of the spirit. Amen? All right? But now faith is the means that God has given unto us as a gift by which we can access the realm of the spirit. But it is the hand that we can use to reach into the realm of the spirit and receive what's already ours, what's already done. Amen? The word is already settled in heaven, but how do you get it settled on earth? Faith. Faith that believes right what is done. Faith that talks right. Faith that acts right. Faith is that hand that receives from God what is already done. Receives from the realm of the spirit. In other words then, you know, there's a scripture in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 1. It says, he that has no money, let him come and buy. How are you going to come and buy without money? Because, you see, faith is the currency. Faith is the currency that you can present in heaven's banking system and you can receive whatever it is. If I had enough time, man, it even says all you need is a little grain of mustard seed. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? So faith is the hand. Faith is that currency. Faith is also, it says in Hebrews 11 verse 1, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence 
of things not seen. Oh, faith, substance, evidence. Man, that thing sounds tangible to me. This is no wishful thinking. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. What does that mean? It means then you already have it in the realm of the spirit. Right? You use your faith for the currency and everything else. Faith will give substance to what you hope for. In other words, then, faith will convert it from the unseen realm to the seen realm. Amen? Say convert. Say I'm getting this. Praise the Lord. All right. So, let's get back to it. The Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give. He will give. He will give. Say he will give. Oh, he will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. God will give grace. God will give glory. But your part, that's his part, the giving of the grace and the glory. But your part is the faith. My part is the faith. Our part is the faith. Let there be no unbelief among you. Galatians 3 verse 5 says, um, He that worketh miracles among you, how does he do it? Does he do it by the works of the law, or does he do it by the hearing of faith? The Holy Ghost works miracles among us, but it's not based on the works of the law. It's not based on our self-righteousness. It is based on the hearing of faith. When he hears our faith, when he sees our faith, when we release that faith, he is the one that performs the miracle. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, God is a reward of them that diligently seek him. God's part is the cause, the glory to be revealed, but your part, which is the excellency and the goodness, your part and my part, ha, is the faith. Now, here is something now. No, 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 let's, let's, now remember, I'm back, I'm back, I'm still in Isaiah 40. Right? Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a pathway for God. The mountains shall be made, the mountains and hills will be made low. The crooked places will be made straight. The rough places will be made smooth. The valleys will be exalted. And, the and that landing strip for God, that highway for God, will be prepared. And then, bam, he lands. And the glory of the Lord is revealed. Now, it might sound like if God is the one that has to make the crooked places straight and the rough places smooth. And in a way, he does because at the end of the day, we speak to the mountain, but it is the grace of, but this, but it is the grace of God that moves it. Isn't that right? Remember Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6 and 7? It, 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 it's, not, it's not by might nor power, but by my spirit, say the Lord. And the Holy Spirit is the spirit of grace. And then in Zechariah 4, verse 7, who is this mountain before Zerubbabel? It shall be but a plain. And then it says it's done by grace. So yes, it is the finger of God. Yes, it's the grace of God. Yes, it's the spirit of God that quickens and repairs and restores your mortal body. However, we still have a faith aspect. We don't do it. The kingdom is on his shoulder. It's done by grace. But yet there is a part that we've got in making those crooked places straight. And that part is faith. Well, how does that work? Here is how it works. Faith believes what is finished. Is that right? Faith doesn't say I'm going to be healed. Sounds good. 
But that's not what the word says. It says, by his stripes you were healed. Faith doesn't say this is what's going to happen. Faith says it's already done. It exists, and it caused what doesn't exist here as it exists here. So faith says God has already spoken. He said the mountains will be made low. The hills are going to be made low. The valleys are going to be exalted. All of those hindrances, all of those crooked places, all of those rough places, those things that are affecting the landing strip for the glory of God, God says he has spoken they're going to be made low. Well, if he has spoken, you know what faith says? Faith says God said it, I believe it. So faith looks at all of that stuff and says, you know what? You mountain, you hill, you are a plain. You rough place, you are smooth. You crooked place, you are straight. So faith will believe and speak according to what is finished. And then what happens, boom. That is our scriptures coming to my mind. Praise the Lord. Psalms 85. Glory, glory, glory. Mm. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oops, that's eight here. That's not Psalm 85, sorry. Okay, let's get over here. Let's get over here. Okay. It says, mercy. Okay, surely his salvation is near to those who fear him. Those who will honor him. With their faith. Faith honors God. That the glory may dwell in the land. It is the faith that, and that was Psalms 85 verse 9. Psalms 85 verse 9. It is the faith, it is the fear of the Lord. It is that honoring of God. It is that uh, God said it, I believe it. And I'm going to say it exactly like he does. That causes the glory to flow. That causes the deliverance and the salvation to take place. Amen? So, God has spoken. You believe it and you say it. Amen? That's it. That's, it's that simple. You say what? You say what is finished in the sacrifice. Faith is our responsibility. Amen? Which means what? Faith is your response to God's ability. Your right response to what God has already done in Christ. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So faith is this walk, is, is this, faith is the, is the very essence of walking uprightly. The Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Why? Because he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He rewards faith. God says, you're not going to seek me in vain. You seek me, there is a reward. Say the glory. The goodness of God. Hallelujah. So what is required of us? What is required of us? For God to manifest his grace and his great goodness, the answer is faith. It is a faith that it might be by grace, that a promise might be guaranteed to all the seed. Faith is like the electrical cable that, 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 that causes the stuff to flow from heaven to earth. And grace, <laughs> grace is like the generator. Grace is like the, is like the, um, 
It's like the powerhouse. But we got to have that cable in place. Amen? All right. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. He is the spirit of grace. The Holy Ghost is the spirit of grace. Now, all right, say grace. All right, we, we, we're going somewhere. Now it says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, grace and peace is multiplied through the knowledge of him and the knowledge of Jesus. Grace and peace. Grace and everything reconciled to God's original intent. Any problem that you and I could possibly face in this planet has already been reconciled by the blood of Jesus and by the cross. So that grace and that peace multiplies, how? To the knowledge of God and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what do we, when we say knowledge, we are, in other words, there's an increase in the multiplication of this grace connected to knowledge. The knowledge we're talking about, we are talking about an intimate knowledge. You know, Adam knew Eve. There is that intimacy. There is that oneness. There is that f intimate fellowship and knowing. But then it is also revelation knowledge. Revelation knowledge. When the word of God is not just the word of God on the page, but it's the word of God that comes into your, your heart and then boom, it explodes. And now it becomes Rima. Amen? And that creates the heaven and the earth. <laughs> that says, light be and light is. And that is why the issue of meditation is important. But you see, revelation knowledge, that ream of word of God, when the word, we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. When the word gets, when we get a hold of that revelation knowledge of, of what the word of God says and the promises and so on, and then when we speak the word, when the rima becomes logos, the spoken word, what you've got operating is that word that is sharper than any two-edged sword that will penetrate to the dividing of soul and spirit, will get anywhere on the inside of your being, in the depths of your soul, memory, emotions, will, wood, um, bone, marrow, joints, wherever. Anything and everything is naked and defenseless before that word spoken out of your mouth, and especially when it's coming out of the revelation of the Rima word in your heart. Everything is naked and open before it. In other words, whatever the problem, whatever the issue is, whatever the curse is, whatever it is, it is like a stretched out neck, and the word of God will sever it and decapitate it so it has no power against you. That's what we do when it says no weapon formed against you will prosper and every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, you shall condemn it. You shall decapitate it. How? By speaking the word of God. Amen? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Anyway, oh, rabbit trails. Do you thank God for rabbit trails? Mm, man, you got to watch those trails though. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Where are we? So both revelation knowledge and, 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 and revelation knowledge and that intimate knowledge, both of them is multiplied. The, 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 rather, revelation knowledge, intimate knowledge with God, with the Father, with the Holy Ghost, with the Word of God will cause grace to multiply. Turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. All right, we're going to make another little shift here. All right? 
from faith, from glory to faith to grace to revelation knowledge. And now here is the clincher. This is where we're going to end up. 2 Peter chapter 1. Reading from verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How? Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. By which have been given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. That through these we may be a partaker of the divine nature. We can take that part of the divine nature that is appropriate. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through us. But also, for this very reason, for this very reason, for this very reason, give all diligence. Give all diligence and add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance not good godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness love. And if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and he's forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. He has forgotten that he's now the righteousness of God in Christ, and his sins have been pardoned and forgiven. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent. Say diligent. That's the word I'm coming to now. To make your calling and election sure. Because if you do these things, you will never stumble. And there's going to be an entrance that is going to be wide, that will be supplied unto you into the everlasting kingdom of God that is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Diligent. Say diligent. Back to verse 5. So verse 5 says, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence. The Amplified says, adding your diligence to the divine promises. Adding your diligence. Add your diligence to the word and to the promises. So there is a connection, we see, to this diligence. This grace is multiplied through knowledge. But then there is, but, but this knowledge, to have that increase in knowledge, it's going to take diligence, diligence in study, diligence in meditating in the word, diligence in various areas. So diligence is going to become a master key that will now cause the, 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 the knowledge to increase and the grace to multiply. So because this is where your and my responsibility, this is where the action on our part is going to be necessary. It will require diligence. Now, let me fast forward and say this right now. Diligence is going to, it could sound like um, legalism, but it's not. I'll, cli I'll clarify that some more later. But for right now, let me just say this. Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. Paul says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. I took advantage of it. <laughs> I appropriated it. His grace towards me was not in vain. But I took that grace and I labored more abundantly than they all. Paul is boasting himself. Paul is taking credit. He said, yet not I, but it is the grace of God which was with me. 
Paul says, I worked harder. I was diligent. Man, you know, I, I mean, I was intense with fasting, with prayer, etc., etc. And, and, and I work harder than all of them. I pray in tongues more than all of them. <laughs> Didn't he say that? But yet he said, yet at the same time, it is the grace of God that was at work within me that I yielded to that grace. I yielded to the spirit of God that was working within me both to will and do his pleasure. It was an act of faith and obedience to his lordship and the working of the Holy Ghost. And as I did, there was this, this stuff happened. Amen? So let us not quickly take this diligent stuff to think it is law and it's legalism. It is a fervent, um, what is the word I'm looking for? It is a fervent, uh, ridiculous, ridiculous is not a word, intense abandonment, radical. Say, like, say radical. <laughs> it is a radical um, pursuit of, of it's a radical pursuit of obedience because of your love of God and it's as if you you you, you want to just demonstrate his lordship and how much he, he, how much um, you love him and so it, it is that diligence is that radical obedience and, and and corresponding actions as a result amen and now it comes out uh, as, as diligence but praise God the Bible says be diligent to make your calling and election sure. And if we're going to obey God and we obey that word, we'll be diligent. So let's examine this. Let's just examine a little bit about this. And here again, it is, it is, it is, it is, it is right. It says in Galatians 6, verse 7 and 9, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sow, that shall he also reap. He that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. And he that sows to the spirit. Souls to the spirit. In Timothy, he talks about bodily exercise is profitable. But then it says godly exercise, more or less, is profitable unto all things. So a lot of this diligence is actually going to be spiritual exercise. When you meditate in the word, when you speak the word, when you obey God in your giving, when you be diligent in these areas, a lot of it is spiritual. And it says, he that sows what? Bountifully shall reap what? Bountifully. He that sows... Sparingly shall reap sparingly. God is not mocked. This is how the program works. Matthew 4 verse 24 says, The way you measure it is going to be measured unto you. All right? What kind of size scoop you use? <laughs> use a teaspoon or a dump truck. All right. So let's consider some areas to be diligent. We need to be diligent in the word. Colossians 3 verse 16 says, Let the word of God dwell in you how? Richly. But then we also got to be diligent to study the word, to get a hold of the word that needs to be planted. 2 Timothy 2 verse 15 says, Study to show yourself approved. A workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word. Study. So there needs to be a diligence in the word, a diligence in studying the word. There needs to be a diligence in meditating in the word. Joshua 1 verse 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you will make your way prosperous, and you shall have good success. Meditating in the word. 
Psalms 1 verse 1 to 3 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. That's diligence. He shall be. That diligent one will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that breaks forth its fruit in its season, whose leaves shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Now here's an interesting thought. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 12, and you can look at it in Amplified, but in the essence of it is, whoever has more will be what? Given. And he that has not, even the little that he has will be taken away. Now, in other words, when you begin to get revelation knowledge, when you begin to be diligent, when you meditate in the word, when you do these things, what you get a hold of is that, is that is, you know, the, the very truth you get a hold of leads you to more truth. The more revelation, the more, and the person that has, it just keeps growing and growing and growing. Amen? And that is a, a tremendous principle. The, you know, because the more revelation you get, it's like you got, it's like you got a, a different scoop now. You got a bigger scoop with which to study something else or get a hold of something else. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 to 22 says, My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my saying. Keep them as front lips before your eyes. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Get it inside your heart, and it will become life and health to what? All your flesh. That's diligence. Deuteronomy, let me read this one here. Deuteronomy chapter 11. I'm talking about diligence in the word. In studying it, in meditating in it. Medi memorizing it, whatever. Deuteronomy chapter 11. Verse 18. Just a few verses. You shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul. Bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontless before your eyes. You shall teach them to your children. Speak of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. What else is there? <laughs> and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, that your days and the days of your children will be multiplied in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, like days of heaven and earth. In, the, in other words, when you have this intense pursuit and meditating and, and, and staying with the word and you're diligent with it, what can happen? You can have the days of heaven here on earth. A glorious entrance will be afforded to you into the manifold, in, into the kingdom of God. Diligence. Diligence in speaking the word. Jeremiah 23 verse 28 says, He that has his, the word, let him speak it what? Faithfully. We talked about Joshua 1 verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night. Day and night. Men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceed out of the mouth of God. And out of your mouth too. Deuteronomy 32 verse 46 and 47 says, um, says, and he said to them, set your heart, set your heart on all the, on all the words which I testify among you today. 
which you shall command your children to be careful to observe all the words of this law. And then it goes on to say, it is not futile. It is not a vain thing for you because it is your life. And by this word, you shall prolong your days in the land which you cross over this Jordan to possess it. I remember when somebody years ago told me how too much word. The word, the word, the word, the word. In other words, you know, the no, it's not a vain thing. It is your life. You live by every word of God. Amen? So I no longer make excuses for that anymore. Then you got to be diligent in your faith. Jude says, earnestly what? Contend for the faith. 1 Timothy 6 verse 12 says, fight the good fight of faith. Then you got to be diligent in praying the word. Take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always. You got to be diligent in prayer. Pray without ceasing, it says. With all manner of prayer and supplication in the spirit. Acts 6 verse 4, Peter and the apostles says, we're going to devote ourselves to the ministry of the word and prayer. Tongues, praying much in tongues. Paul says I pray in tongues more than anybody else. Amen? And, and, and you know, I know what he also said, follow me as I followed Christ. Was he diligent in that area? Of course. All right? And then what about your heart? There's a lot of things that can come your way. There's opportunities for unforgiveness, for bitterness, for resentment, for offense. There, you know, there, all these things come at you. What should you do? There's conversations that, 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 that it's better for you to not have. So it says in, in, in Proverbs 4.23, to guard your heart with all what? Diligence. Because out of it are the issues of life. And if the wrong stuff gets in there in abundance, out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth will speak. So what, you got to guard your heart. This is your garden. You don't want weeds. You don't want stuff that, is, that the Father has not planted. Are you with me? All right? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. How much time do I have? Praise the Lord. So, you know, so the, the, the scriptures that talks about the fact that we need to have fervent love for one another. Fervent love for one another. Don't let any root of bitterness spring up and defile you and separate you from the grace of God. All right? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Live at peace with who? Everybody, <laughs> as much as lies within you. There is no, I don't care what anybody do to you. Makes no difference what they did. And that's the truth. Why? Because of what Jesus did. And if they are crucified with Christ, that includes their deeds as well. Amen? Now, the word of God says, before God, God says, I'm not holding your sins and trespasses against you. I'm not imputing it to you. And then he says that we have to love one another as he has loved us. Therefore, what should we do with that person that did whatever? Remit their sins. Remit it in the name of Jesus, in the person of Christ. Release them. Don't even recall it. Amen? Hello? That's God in your heart. That's loving with diligence. That is, I mean, this, this Christian life is a wonderful, awesome life. And then again, watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Life and death is in the power of your tongue. Guard your mouth. It says, out of the, uh, it says um, a man can be snared by the words of his lips. So what should you do? Be quick to hear, slow to speak. 
Psalms 141 verse 3 says, Lord, set a watch over my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Psalms 39 verse 1, I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle. Proverbs 30 verse 32, if you have taught, if you've just taught an evil thing, if you had an evil thought, what should you do? Put your hand on your mouth. Isn't that right? Lay your hands on your mouth. Proverbs 15, 28, the heart of the righteous studies the answer. Proverbs 10, 32, the lips of the righteous knows what is acceptable. Psalms 19, verse 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Why is it that you need to be this diligent? Why? Why you got to be diligent in the word and in the speaking and in the studying and, and all of this and in prayer and in praying in tongues? Why? Why all this diligence? 2 Peter 1 verse 10. If you be diligent, be diligent to make your calling and your election sure. And then what, what does this produce? It will cause the overflow of God's goodness and God's abundance to become your experience. Proverbs 13 verse 4 says, The diligent soul shall be made fat. What does that mean? He will be abundantly supplied. That's the glory. That's having God's best. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Hallelujah. Now, diligence is not works. This diligence, it, it sounds like works, but it's not works. It is, because if you think about it, the goodness of God, the blessings of the Lord in your life, you could never pay for it anyway. What does God have that you're going you're to pay for salvation? You're going to pay for being baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost? You're going to pay for healing? No, you can't pay for any of it. But it is all because of the mercy of God, the love of God, the sacrifice of God. The word of God says, let no flesh glory before me. So it's not about works. Galatians 2.21 says, this righteousness didn't come by the law and by your goodness or my goodness. It came because Jesus did not die in vain. That's the reason why it's here. So this diligence is actually, it's actually your right response and your right corresponding action to the working of the Holy Spirit that is at work within you both to will and do his good pleasure. It says faith without the right corresponding actions is dead. It is the right corresponding action of faith. It is the expression of your faith. When we have communion, is that is, 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 is communion works? No, it's a, it's a right corresponding action to some truths. And so is, so, is, so is anointing with oil. So is giving. So is fasting. I mean, you fast for, for 40 days, man, that could feel like works. Amen? And if you're doing it from works, then it's not good. Amen? But it's not works. It is, it is an act of obedience to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Diligence is actually faith in action. Both with your mouth and with your deeds. Amen? Blessed be the name of the Lord. It is the chorus. You see, it's speaking. Like the Lord said this to me, and I've said it to you before. The way the word of God that is established in heaven become established on earth is you've got to speak it and you've got to act like it's so. Diligence will quite often put the action part to it. Abraham, what was this right corresponding action? What was, I mean, he offered up Isaac. Amen? 
part of his right corresponding action was, 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 was just declaring that I'm a father of many nations. Jonah, in the belly of the whale, what was his right corresponding action? He offered up thanksgiving to God. There was nothing else he could do, right? <laughs> and we could go on and on. Even offering up your, your, your own humanity for the furtherance of the kingdom of God, which is to say offering up your own life as a seed, presenting yourself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God because you're bought with a price and you're not your own. That's diligence. That's diligence with, with, with you yourself being a seed. Finances, tithing, um, first fruits, whatever it is, that's all, that's sowing, that's all, that's, those are actions. Of Those are corresponding actions of faith. Amen? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, just to wrap this up, let me make a statement here. And I'm going to read it, I think. This corresponding action is like it's a completion. It said Abraham's faith was brought, to, was, was brought to perfection and completion and full expression when he, when he accompanied it with, with the action of, of obeying God in, 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 in offering up Isaac and so on. Quite often it is actually the, our obedience of faith. The issue of diligence and the right corresponding action is not works, but it's the obedience of faith. When you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and you confess him as Lord and Savior, what happened? You get born again and you become a believer. But when you take up your, and become a believer, but when you decide you're going to take up your cross, deny yourself, and you're going um, to put Jesus and his kingdom first, that's when you become a disciple. Are you with me? And that's when he becomes Lord. And that's when he becomes master. Malachi 1 verse 6 says, If I be your Lord, if I be your father, if I be your master, where is my honor? Where is the reverence? Where is the obedience? Jesus said, if you love me, do what I say. Well, what did he say? Be diligent to make your calling and election sure. Diligence is your obedience of faith. When he is Lord, you are crucified to yourself, and you no longer, you no longer live for yourself. Your meat is to do the will of God. Your meat is now, your meat is doing the will of God. This is your sustenance. This is your substance. This is your life. It's obedience to God, not to self. That is why you really can't have lordship without crucifixion. It's another message. So when he's Lord, you give up your right, even to be right, so that you no longer react to people and situations, but rather you respond with the faith of Christ from, from Christ, from Christ that is in you that is now your life. Matthew 18, 29 says, Everyone that forsakes house, Brethren, sisters, father, mother, wife, children, lands, for my sake shall receive what? A hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. That's which is the very life of Christ. That there has to do with obedience, even to, you know, to a high level. Amen? Where it's not about me, it's just all about him, his kingdom, his purposes. That's prosperity. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. That walk upright in the gospel. Amen? So don't see diligence as 
as works. See it as a radical obedience to Christ, who is you have installed as your Lord, and you have crowned him as your king and as your master. And there is just, this is just the very essence of it. That when we, you know, God says, you honor me, I'll honor you. I know it sounds like works, but this is how it is. It's not works. It's just a radical obedience. Amen? Now, you may have to pray your way into that. But God, the Holy Ghost, will, uh, is going to work with you to will and to do for his pleasure. Let's just pray right now. Let's believe God for that grace, for that diligence in the name of Jesus. Father, you said to be diligent to make our calling and our election story. Let's stand. So, Father, we pray about that right now. You said for us to be diligent to lay a hold of this hope that has been before us. Oh, Father, there are so many glorious and wonderful promises by which we can draw out that divine nature. But we got to mix our faith with patience and perseverance and diligence. So, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we know that you have blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. So that spirit and that anointing of diligence has got to be in our spirit because our spirit is complete. We are complete in him. So by faith, Father, we, we desire, we want to draw out that spirit of diligence. We want to draw it out that it would come upon us in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, that it would be stirred up on the inside of us. Right now, just begin to pray in the spirit. And I believe that even as you are praying in the spirit right now, that the spirit of the living God is going to take a hold of you, take a hold of me, and, and that's stirring. And will draw out that spirit of diligence. And we will begin to function in it more than we did, more than today, in the name of Jesus. Father, you've not given us a spirit of fear or cowardice or, 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 or laziness or slothfulness. We have the spirit of Christ within us. And we believe that the spirit of Christ is a spirit of diligence. So, Father, we are asking by the power of the Holy Ghost that this would be released in the name of Jesus. Say this with me. Say, in the name of Jesus, I confess and I agree with God that I do have a spirit of diligence. And in the name of Jesus... And by the power of the Holy Ghost, I stir up that spirit of diligence and it comes upon me. I am determined by the grace of God to walk in this diligence more and more, day by day, in the name of Jesus. The pathway of the righteous becomes brighter and brighter. That's me. That's my life. I thank you, Lord. From glory to glory, from grace to grace, from faith to faith, by the working of the Holy Ghost, it is Christ in me, the hope of glory. Amen.